we wave high the flag of freedom as a patriotic reminder to never take our independence for granted. Fireworks explode into the night sky, lighting up the darkness, reminding us of our nation's calling in the world. One nation under God. We look into the sky and remember that for all the freedom we have to celebrate, we must never forget our dependence on God. It was by His hand we were afforded our independence. So we might stand for liberty, remembering He set us free from the bondage of sin. So we might stand for justice, for the Lord loves justice, and He will not forsake His saints. So we might stand for freedom, because we know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We thank you, God, for the beautiful gift of our country. May we always depend on you to sustain us. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This verse is often quoted at this time of year in churches across the nation because of our nation's freedom. Compared to the rest of the world, we are incredibly blessed with freedom. Who knows that that is true? Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so we declare that freedom today, but it's in Christ. It's not in America. It's in the revelation of the new covenant. It's not in our constitution. So never do we ever want to Americanize the gospel. Don't want to Americanize the truth. But our nation's founders were influenced by the truth. In founding a nation, they dreamed dreams that they weren't even living up to themselves. They just let their minds go and argued their way into what has become America. And so this verse, I just want to look at the context of it and kind of lay groundwork to celebrate our spiritual freedom. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, let's just go ahead and begin at the beginning. Paul is writing to a church where his authority is in question, and yet they wouldn't exist were it not for his ministry and his team. He said, do we begin again to commend ourselves Or do we need, as some others, epistles or letters of commendation to you or letters of commendation or recommendation from you? You are our letter. You're our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle or a message from Christ, of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, the heart. So more important than his resume or his degrees is the fruit of his ministry. And this church certainly is that in Corinth of Greece. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. I will trust God. We have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves, to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. So he's more than enough, and he used us to plant this church, he's saying. And it's not because of our own power, but because of God, who we trust, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You know, just cold, hard law can be brutal. But the spirit of the law 
when, when our building was built, we had to be ADA compliant. And there was a couple of issues. It appeared that we were in violation and other issues it appeared we weren't in violation. And they said we're in violation in this area, but not in that area. And I said, that sure seems backward. And they said, it's not the letter, it's the spirit behind the letter. It's the reason we made this recommendation. Seven, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, that was a glorious day when God wrote his laws on tablets of stone for the children of Israel in the wilderness, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance. His face just glowed like he was on fire, and they couldn't look at him, so he covered his face so they could. Which glory was passing away. So as his face, facial glow began to diminish, he kept the veil on. <laughs> he got the same respect. Whereas if he took it off, they may say, oh, you're one of us, and not respect him like they were. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So if the giving of the law of the Old Covenant was a glorious thing, how much more glorious is the New Covenant? The glory of the Old Covenant faded. After a few days, Moses' face wasn't glowing anymore. After a few days, he had to go back up there and get some more tablets because they were broken Verse 9, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. The glory of the new covenant doesn't even begin to compare. You can't even begin to compare the old covenant to the new covenant. It's a glorious covenant, folks. Jesus paid it all. The law came to define what sin is, to reveal the rebellion in men's hearts. And then it had remedies, temporary remedies. Here's these sacrificial systems. Put these in place to cover your sins. Christ came not just to cover sin, but to re redeem it. We no longer depend on atonement each year. We have eternal redemption. That's better than atonement. Verse 11, for if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, verse 12, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, they couldn't see the slow fade, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Covenant. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. He's talking about unbelieving Israelites. We heard a testimony today. That veil is being removed, folks. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faith, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, who are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of so what he's talking about is the Spirit of the Lord removes the veil of the law by revealing to us our redemption we have in Christ. Who's thankful for that? Jesus saves. Not our religion. He saves. He saves. 
Years ago, Yvette called her daddy and said, Daddy, you need to get saved. And he said, I go to church on Christmas and Easter, and I pay my 1% twice a year. 5% once a year. I'm covered. Just tell me you love me. That was religion, but he came to know the Lord Jesus as his Savior. The veil was removed. We live in a world where people's hearts are veiled by, re- by rebellion. Talk about a veil. Wool culture, that sure is a veil, isn't it? But in Christ, the glorious light of the gospel dawns in our heart. So where his spirit is, there is freedom. The founders of our nation wanted us to be a nation of freedom. And as it was founded, they didn't set the slaves free. They were rather self-serving in that endeavor. Not all of them. Those involved with Pennsylvania wanted them free. John Adams wanted them free. But the tools were put in place that eventually led to their freedom. Plus, you know, 640,000 plus deaths to set them free. But the truth, if you embrace the truth, it will set you free. You don't need all that suffering because Jesus died to pay for our sins. Today, I'd like to speak to you on true freedom. We'll draw a few parallels with our nation's freedom, but I really want to focus on spiritual freedom. It's so important. If you leave here just learning some more about America, I have failed because my calling is to proclaim the truth, and your calling is to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. Honoring true freedom. In Webster's 1828, Noah Webster did a dictionary as an old man, and his 1828 publication, you can find it, says that freedom is a noun, and it means a state of exemption from the power or control of another. It's exemption from slavery, servitude, or confinement. Freedom is a synonym for the word liberty. Can I get an amen? What freedom is, is it is personal. It is civil, that is community. That's related to the word civilian, related to the word civics, how we live together. It's not just freedom, it's not just for me, but it's for you, it's for us and those beyond us. Freedom is political, it relates to our government, and that's why our nation was founded, freedom from tyranny of the British Empire. And it is religious. And when the Constitution was made, Madison was compelled to push through them compiling a set of amendments. Who knows about the Bill of Rights? Freedom of speech, freedom to assemble, freedom of religion. It's not freedom from religion, it's freedom of religion. Right? Humanism can be seen as another form of religion. Religion is how a person sees or relates to someone outside themselves, God. And without that, we are encroaching on what our founders dreamed of. So it's important to have freedom of religion, which relates to my first point of the sermon. True freedom is spiritual. It is spiritual. Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. Andre In reading from Luke chapter 4, Jesus went into the synagogue and read from Isaiah 61 how he was anointed by the Spirit to set captives free, to set at liberty 
those who are bound. People bound by addictions, people bound in prison, people bound by habits, people bound by unforgiveness, people bound by bitterness. People can be bound by religion and legalism and liberalism. People all bound up and tied up and unable to move. Jesus came to set us free. And it's through faith in his finished work. We read this earlier. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, and to convict us of the truth of the better covenant. And I get a thank you, Jesus. True freedom is never free. Somebody paid for it. We're sitting here with freedom of religion today because somebody was willing to lay down their life so that our nation could have freedom that we have. And there are always forces at play, conspiracies at play, to take that freedom away. I hate the fact there's all these shootings, and I'm not going to talk about that much because that's a whole other can of worms. So whenever there's a, a tragedy that happens, then here comes the appeal to take the right to bear arms away. You do that, cartels will take over. I'm telling you, it's true. I don't have a gun. I'm not a foaming at the mouth, gun-toting NRA member. But I appreciate the fact my neighbors have freedoms that may just keep a bad guy away. Because there are people out there wanting to take away your freedom. And so there's people willing to risk their lives so we can have freedom. Christ gave his life so that we could have freedom. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. So he made us free from the law of sin and death. The law of Moses, the old covenant law, revealed sin. Sin was in the world that where there is no law, you don't see any violation, right? If there's not a speed limit law in place, it would be pretty dangerous to get to church or to go to work. So laws reveal the, re the rebelliousness in our heart, and there's penalties in place that people don't violate it. Well, sin goes way beyond the law, but the law reveals it, right? But Christ dealt with sin in such a way that it breaks our hearts. Oh, you died for my sins. What a penalty. I want to I serve you. I want to do your will through the Spirit's power and able to do that. The law could not set man free from sin. It could only reveal sin. Some people think the law will free them from sin. That's like swallowing a thermometer and thinking it will take your fever away. Certainly don't want to chew it up, especially a mercury thermometer. So a thermometer reveals your temperature. The law reveals our sinfulness. Grace is the remedy. It's our medicine. So he did that to set us free. It's the law of life in Jesus. 
He condemned sin in the flesh, paid for its penalty, that the righteous requirement of the law, which is death, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now the Spirit leads and guides and does something the law can never do. He convicts us. There are certain things I don't do that you have the freedom to do. Your freedom's not taken away. See, this is what law does, is it takes away freedom. Whereas grace gives freedom. Right? I grew up in a denomination that for the sake of the personal convictions of the pastor, they took the freedoms away from the members. You could not wear short sleeves. Why? Not holy. Really? Is arm cleavage really a problem? I knew a guy that worshiped roller skating, and he became a believer, and the Lord led him to never roller skate again. And he understood this principle. He says, that's God's will for me, to not go there. Sure as I do that, I'll start womanizing and drinking and doing all sorts of other nonsense. But I don't hold other Christians to that principle because they don't have the problem that I have. Whereas if you make it a law, then everybody gets spanked. That's, that's the deal with taking all, everybody's guns away. That's spanking everybody for the misbehavior of a few. That's what government does. What was that plane that crashed in the river? Okay, no one was allowed to go to the bathroom after they got in the terminal. No one, no one was allowed to go to the bathroom for two and a half hours, including the pilot. That's what government does. That's what law does. It just blankets Whereas the Spirit transcends the law and leads us in paths to make us free. Without Jesus, that's all man's best effort is. That's the problem with making government your savior. As much as I love America, America is not my savior because all the government can do is add more laws. You know, if you get all our laws in place, now they just use Google but you put all the volumes of law that are in place right now governing us, it's over five and a half feet. And that's not counting your HOA laws. <laughs> We're talking about freedom. Freedom. If, if you cannot not speed, you probably don't need to have a car. But that doesn't mean nobody else should have one, right? We have freedom. Teenagers. When you are allowed to drive and you learn to drive, you are now given freedom. You're being trusted with something that's absolutely amazing. But you have to be responsible for it, right? True freedom is a sacred trust. You're entrusted to be responsible with it. Be responsible with it. In 1787... There was a constitutional convention. They were really ironing out details. And when it concluded, according to the notes of Dr. James McHenry, who was a convention delegate from Maryland, he saw a woman approach Benjamin Franklin. And she said, what have we got? A republic or a monarchy? 
And Franklin replied, a republic if you can keep it. If you can keep it. Because there's powers that be will want to bring us under the power and dominion of more laws than you can live under or lawlessness. And you watch, as lawlessness abounds in the world, so laws will abound. If you're a lawyer, I do not want to offend you, but our universities are churning out lawyers by the hundreds every year. And our government's wanting to pay their tuition. It's a sacred trust. We must handle it. Otherwise, big brother will. Spiritually, in Romans 6, verse 17, Paul wrote, Thanks be to God, whereas you were servants of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching whereunto you were delivered. And being made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. So we're not lawless. We're lawful according to the, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Who knows the flesh is a problem? But laws just make us legalists. The Pharisees knew all the, you know, a definition of a, of a legalist is someone who knows all the loopholes. God forbid that you walk an extra step on the Sabbath. But if you don't want to take care of your parents in their old age, you can... Form a trust where everything you own now belongs to the temple. And then, sorry, mom and dad, I can't honor you. It belongs to God. He said, man, you guys are doing things here that make the word, the law, not have any effect. Why is that? It's because we are a bunch of legalists if we depend on our behavior to justify us. It is for freedom, Galatians 5.1 says, that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So we've been entrusted with freedom. We have to use it wisely. If you just, you just embrace the doctrine of greasy grace, I can live any old way I want. I can live like hell if I want to because Jesus died for my sins. You're going to find yourself in bondage to sin. The law points us to the Redeemer. The Redeemer doesn't point us to bondage. He brings us freedom. True freedom is to be protected. Our military exists to protect us from freedom. Maybe you didn't serve during wartime, but your service kept the system alive to keep our enemies at bay. Because out there, there are dictators that want to take us over. This is the reason it's good we have more than one party. You never want to live in a country that just has one political party. Because when you get a one-party state, that leads to totalitarianism. You don't want a one-party state. As much as we hate the conflicts, and maybe you absolutely struggle with praying for another political party in our nation, you better thank God that we have the freedom to have more than one political party. But you must be active as a citizen. Otherwise, those that want to take your freedoms away will gain the power. It's a republic, a representative rep of the public serves us. So we have to be involved in electing those representatives. You have responsibility. 
as a citizen. You know, as Christians, we have dual citizenship, right? I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, and I'm a citizen of the United States of America. Which is most important? Well, you deem priority of relationship based on its longevity. So how long are you going to be an active citizen of the United States? Depends on your lifespan. How long are you going to be a citizen of the kingdom of God? Eternal. On your list of priorities, who's more important, your children or your spouse? Your children are going to grow up and leave you. Hopefully your spouse doesn't. So she or he is number one in your choices. Now, there are times where you have to suspend that importance because of emergencies, but the principle is your spouse is number one. The kids come next. I don't know what that was about, but it's for somebody. <laughs> True freedom is to be protected. Galatians 2.4, but it was because of the false brethren secretly brought in who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we had in Christ Jesus, in order to bring us into bondage. There were forces at play in the church during the days of the Roman Empire that wanted to creep into churches and draw people back into all of the old covenant Gentiles, making them into Jews. You have to be circumcised to be saved. How did they come up with that? Well, you cannot keep Passover unless you're circumcised. So if you're a Christian, you have to keep Passover. And if you have to keep Passover, then you have to be circumcised. I mean, connect the dots. But that was given, that feast was given to the nation of Israel, to the Hebrews, to the Jews. It was their festival. And we learn from it. It's beautiful history. It's amazing. We had a Seder here uh, this year, but it wasn't a perfect Seder because we didn't check to see if everybody had been circumcised. <laughs> we're living under the new covenant. But in that day and time, there were false brethren creeping in, trying to lure people back in. And you know, I often wonder, why is Galatians in the Bible? Well, since I've been a pastor for 30 years, I've seen that wind of doctrine blow through town more than once. Wannabe Jews trying to make other people into wannabe Jews. You know, that does not impress Jews. In fact, it offends them. Moving right on. Peter, in his second letter, chapter 2, verse 19, talked about people who weren't wanting to lure people back into Old Covenant law, but they're just wanting to lure people into living a life with no convictions, lawlessness, everything's okay. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, from whom the man is overcome, of the same he is brought into bondage. So it's okay. It's okay to do anything you want. Destroy your marriage, that's fine. Jesus loves you. He wants you to be happy. No, he wants us to be holy. Happiness comes and go. You want joy, but you want it in the eternal sense of joy. Right? Happiness is related to happenstance, but he wants us to be holy. So just to live life any kind of way, it's crazy. When this church started, it started out of a prayer meeting in a Ken and Barbie house. Long story, Ken and Barbara Smith started this prayer meeting, and there was two or three attempts to form a congregation, and when they didn't work, they approached Shady Grove Church, where they had been a member years ago, and Shady Grove adopted them and made this one of their campuses, and Yvette and I became the first couple they sent to serve here, and we're still here. 
Yeah. Well, the last attempt to be a congregation that didn't work, two guys from Jersey, no offense, were Bible teachers. And they taught this, that when you sin, it's no big deal because it's not you, it's just your body. So in other words, if I assault you, bam, sorry, I didn't do that, my hand did. Doesn't hold water, it's not biblical. That leads into bondage. So the sheep stopped coming, and so Ken and Barbara had to start up another prayer meeting, and here we are. 31 years ago, we started. True freedom is our responsibility. You have a republic if you can keep it. We are responsible. So as citizens, we pay taxes, we abide by the laws, and we are active. However you can do it, do it. But don't start burning stuff and destroying stuff. That's illegal. That was supposed to be funny. (laughs) The brother of Jesus talked about our freedom. He said, the one who looks intently into the perfect law of liberty and continues to do so, not being a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer, he will be blessed in what he does. If we're responsible with our freedom, and we understand it biblically, and we're growing in Christ and trusting in him, we're going to be blessed. Freedom. Uh, The old covenant was like having training wheels on all four wheels of your wagon. The new covenant is like a unicycle with no training wheels. I can't do it, but it's got to be free to do that. It's fun. Training wheels on your motorcycle, that's no fun, right? But the freedom to be wise is good. True freedom, spiritual freedom, is never to be abused. Just because we're free, I know we're revisiting certain points as I go along the way, but I'm an exhorter. That's what I do. I repeat things to drive the point home. In Galatians again, chapter 5, verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Can we say free? free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Can we say flesh? Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So we want to be free, but it's not to be a self-serving freedom. It's to be an other-serving freedom. We serve others to benefit others. And it's not a bait-and-switch thing. If you go to a legalistic church, they do the bait-and-switch thing. Come on, you find freedom in Christ. So you come on board, and then here comes these requirements. Oh, ladies, you can't cut your hair. Um, you better let the Lord take that jewelry off you. You better this, you better that. If the Lord leads you to do that, fine. But the Bible doesn't, in the New Testament, doesn't instruct us to live like that. Oh, they have verses, but they have to jump around the Bible to build a case. You can't just read it in context and come away with that understanding. So we don't live lawless lives but we don't live legalistic lives. We live biblical lives empowered by the Spirit doing what he leads us to do. Peter, again, in his first letter, chapter 2, verse 16, says, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. 
You may have a bumper sticker on your car that says, I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. Don't do that. That's not a good witness. Don't defend imperfection because of the grace of God. Defend the grace of God because of his perfection. Right? We're not reinforcing foolishness. We are reinforcing the love of God. He loves us like we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. And it's not a bait and switch. It's a walk, a daily walk. Who wants to stay bound to sin? Nobody does. True freedom is blessing those who are not free. If you're going to lead people to Christ and make them disciples, you've got to lay down your life. Too long evangelical America has been a convert-making thing that doesn't work. Walk the aisle, sign the card, and go back to live life on your own while we go back to living our lives of freedom. Oh, you got to open your homes, open your cars, open your life, and do something to serve somebody. We're called to make disciples, not converts. Disciples, not converts. You mean you can disciple an unbeliever? You can certainly show them how you're living, testify to them, and if they start considering what you're doing, you're discipling them, and eventually they become a believer. I think sometimes we get the cart ahead of the horse. Certainly don't rush them into a baptistry, because water saves no one. we that denomination I was part of rushed people into baptistries all the time. They came out of the baptistry. You never saw them again. Water doesn't save. Jesus saves, right? So go and make disciples. And that means make room in your life for other people. Well, I need some rules. How do I do that? The Holy Spirit will lead you. What I do is not what you do. You do it your way. Amen? Now, if you're raising small kids, you've got to be very wise who to bring in your home. If they're grown, open up your eyes, folks. The fields are white, ready to harvest. Okay, I've made the point. Be careful that by no means does this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to the weak. Now, because we live for the sake of others, there are some people that will judge you for your freedom. So you don't exercise your freedom just to offend them. Because if you lock them into judgmentalism, then they're all messed up and they'll never grow in Christ. Who knows that? When you judge somebody, your growth stops. In that day and time, the concerning question was, is this meat been offered to idols? Because we're not supposed to, you know, James and the brothers in Jerusalem said, don't eat meat offered to idols. Well, how do you know if meat's been offered to idols? Paul said, just don't ask and enjoy because if they tell you, then you have to stop eating it. That's kind of funny. It's a simple principle, though, not to offend the conscience of new believers or even to cause unbelievers to question your walk. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So, to the Jews, he lived as a Jew. To the Gentiles, he lived as a Gentile. To the poor, he lived as poor. To the rich, he related as rich. To the educated, he related as educated. To the redneck, he figured out how to relate to rednecks. 
We try to relate to everybody on the level they can understand for the sake of winning them. His freedom to serve, to be a blessing to others. Freedom. There are some men of God that I greatly respect that are well-known. If I said their names, you'd know them. They will preach wherever they get an invitation. And there are guys on YouTube who devote their whole channels, their whole life to blast them and judge them. How dare they preach for them? They're a heretic like the rest of them. Totally missing the point. Here's the point. I become all things to all men so that I may win some. Do people in those ministries need to hear the truth? Yes. So go for it. Wherever the doors open, go for it. If the Jehovah Witness Church invites you to preach next Sunday, go for it. They don't have the copyright on Jehovah. The Bible does, right? Well, I'll never darken the door. Well, then we won't tell you. If you judge us, then you're all messed up. All right. Belaboring the point. True freedom is sustained by knowing truth. This is why it's important to understand our nation's heritage, our nation's history. It helps us, motivates us to get involved to protect our freedoms as a nation. And spiritually, it's important to understand the truth so that we can be free from bondage to sin and bondage to the old covenant. Watch this. This is from John chapter 8, produced by the Lumo Prize. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The crowd said, we've never been in bondage to anyone. Meanwhile, they're living under the oppression of the Roman Empire. And Jesus let them know he's talking about bondage to sin. They were in bondage to sin. They wanted to be free by following him. So the truth that makes us free is a truth that we know. You will know the truth, and the truth will make, set you free. So the truth that sets you free is a truth that you know, and the truth that you know is the word of Jesus that you abide in. If you continue in my word, the King James says, you will know the truth. So continuing in the word, never reading the scriptures, that's not a good idea. That's why I always open with not a scripture on the screen, but look in your Bibles, because I want you to familiarize with your Bibles, be it electronic or paper. 
one former member came by one day, totally freaked out. He says, I think I know what the devil's conspiracy is. What's that? He says, it's Bibles on our phones. If they blow satellites out of the sky, we lose the Bible. I said, well, not if you have a paper one, so keep your paper one. (laughs) True spiritual freedom is transforming us into his image. This is my final point. Transforming us in his image. Our text today ended with these words. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what is this liberty doing? It's setting us free to be like Jesus. He could eat with publicans, tax collectors, and drunkards. He could relate to anyone. He was hung up for our hang-ups, but he had no hang-ups. He was the freest man that ever lived, and they killed him for it. And yet he never violated the law of Moses, but he wasn't bound to the fence laws. He was free. And so as we grow in him, in our freedom, we are made like him. All things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Who wants to be like Jesus? Be free. Be free be free. But right now, I want to just kind of segue back into celebrating America and America's need for the gospel. Watch this. Freedom. It's something we cherish in this country. The idea of a free society is embedded into the very core of our nation. Many have died defending it and many have fought diligently to preserve it. So where has it gone? We've become a nation bound by division, chained by hatred, and consumed by selfishness. There's an epidemic of violence, poverty, brokenness. Does this look like freedom? The Bible tells us we're called to be free. But it also says to use that freedom to serve one another humbly, in love. Maybe that's what we're missing in America. Today, we celebrate Independence Day. Perhaps it's time we recognize that true independence is found only in a lasting dependence on God. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. My closing point is we live in a land of individualism. Sometimes we're hyper-individualistic, but also sometimes we have a hyper-party spirit. Parties, political parties. And if you do something that's contrary to what's popular with a given party, people will judge you. So it restricts us. 
it, it puts us in bondage. I can't believe he was with so-and-so. I can't believe he wore those colors. I can't believe he put a rainbow on the screen. I beg your pardon, a rainbow comes from the Bible, right? I'm taking it back. I'm taking the word gay back too. I have a sister named Gayla. So use your freedom as an individual. Do never be bound by a political party to do the will of God if the Spirit of God leads you to do something. You're free. Our forefathers gave their lives to this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And if nothing I said made any sense, may he give you peace about at least one thing that makes sense. And that is we are blessed with freedom in this land. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you get your children, we're exercising freedom and serving beverages in the auditorium. <gasps> They're not allowed in some churches. <laughs> Enjoy. Bless you. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Get something cold to drink. <laughs>